You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Preach Crusades. Okay, so tell us a little bit about the college. When did you start the college? Well, the college was first started about 98. Uh, the first one was back in uh, 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 Florida. And then I moved and changed and moved to the West Coast in California. Pacific Union started uh, a school there the same. We call it Souls West. And it currently has about 50 students. Every year we graduate about 25 approximately students. And they go off and some finish their degrees, uh, become pastors, become, you know, medical people, et cetera. What's nice about it is if they're going into the medical profession, so we have a lot of doctors and nurses, mm-hmm. is uh, that they're, they're, you know, when people are sick is when they want to hear the most about God. And these young people, instead of just being bright, you know, can do medical things, they now can also help that per that patient to pray with them and to make a difference. And so that's one of the major things it does is to change their lives. It doesn't matter what profession you go into, you're ready to do evangelism. Mm, absolutely. Uh how much does how much does it cost to go to this college? Uh it costs eight thousand dollars, eight thousand eight hundred dollars. If you pay it off in time you lose ten uh, percent of it, so you it's only eight thousand if you pay off in time. Now, they go canvassing to pay for it. So it's a school where most of the schools running around thirty thousand, ours runs around eight thousand. Mm-hmm. And uh they learn all the life skills. Out of that eight thousand, how much of that would they be able to pay off during the course of the uh education through canvassing? Well, you know, some have more talent than others, but uh, most of them pay it off. And if they don't, if they don't have it paid off the next summer when they work for the summer program, they get to pay it off. So, yeah, so it's kind it of depends like a, on the student, of course, but anybody that is industrious and willing, they pay it off. Sure, sure. So, so, so basically, you go to this college, you work your way through, you come out at the other end, and typically, you come out the other end with little or no. Uh, debt, exactly which right. is unheard of, particularly in the United States, where you know student debt is just a massive problem. The thing of it is, they have learned such excellent people skills mm. that doesn't matter what job they're applying. They can be applying at McDonald's, and they people take them and they go right to the top of whatever they're doing because they're able to communicate well. Since the mid '80s, how many young people do you think you may have worked with? Oh my, Lance, <laughs> it, it's it's thousands. <laughs> Literally thousands, uh, you know. We, How many summer programs would there be ha- operating in the United States on any given year? Oh, the ones that I'm just involved with are around 25 uh, a year, a summer. And that's, we'd be running uh, 300 to 400 students, mm-hmm. you know, and, and going to, we, we literally hit millions of doors, uh, leave hundreds of thousands of truth-filled literature. Uh, can I tell you a story? Sure, please do. This please is, do. This is hot. Tell, tell me stories. This is a hot right off the press, okay? Yep. yep. Uh, in L.A., uh, we had a, a leader stop to see if he sh- the, his student is doing businesses. And you know what that meant. And you go from business to business. Well, they were doing business. They came into a uh, a uh, little mini mart, which was connected with a gas station. And there was a man at the counter doing business. And they waited to talk to the attendant. And all of a sudden, the guy says, did you want some cigarettes? And the guy, no. And he pulls out this little booklet called Steps to Christ. By the way, I recommend anybody listening to this channel Mm. is get that book. He holds it up and starts waving it in front of this guy. He says, let me tell you something. This book means no cigarettes, 
no drugs, no alcohol, <laughs> no women, and I have stopped stealing. And in being honest, it saved my life. And he turned and he walked out. And the, and the two literature evangelists behind him, their mouths were open. They didn't even say anything. They were so shocked. And, of course, they stepped up to the attendant, and they said, you know something? We actually have that book. <laughs> Do you think okay, that? Wait, wait, wait. So this is just a random customer who says this. This just happened a well, month ago. I thought ago. this was one of your students. I'm thinking, this is a unique canvas that you have right here. But uh, no, this was just a random customer who pulls out this book while your yeah, guys I, are I, actually I, standing I, there I, with I, that book for sale in there. In, in ready the, to give it to the guy to show him. Yeah. And of course, they said, you know, we have this book. The guy paid $10 for this little book that's, what, about five by eight. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's only got about 100 pages in it. It's life-changing Yeah, it's a, it's a drop-down book. You know what that yeah, yeah, meant. Yeah, uh, yeah. Isn't that an exciting story? <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> you, got, <laughs> you couldn't even write that if you wanted to you know, come up with something. Most incredible thing. You must hear a lot of stories like that. Oh, unbelievable. You, you know, I'll tell you the real proof of going out and working for God, doing the Gospel Commission. Mm-hmm. You know, see, it says there that we're to go out and teach people all of God's commandments, all what what he's to do. And then it says, and he will be with you even until the ends of the earth. So God is actually with you while you're doing that. And that's one of the reasons why young people get so turned on. The real proof of the matter is parents. We get a raft of, le- I mean, you know, Bill Crick, mm-hmm. he has a raft of letters from parents and the parents it's always the same i sent one daughter to this program and i got another one back i sent one son to this program and i got another one back over and over again that's fantastic you know the impact that you are able to have on young people's lives by getting them involved in sharing the gospel and sharing jesus with the community is just amazing um can i give you one story yeah yeah, yeah, please do okay that's a beautiful story Little girl uh, comes from a poor family, five children, different fathers, and they go trick or treating. Mm-hmm. And she's the oldest, so she's taking care of her brothers and sisters. And when she comes back, she goes through the dumps all the candy out, and she goes through it to make sure that some crazy person hasn't put something in there to hurt her brother and sisters. Well, she finds a little track, you know, a little track that says uh, "tricked, not treated," you know, and it's about what Halloween really means. Mm-hmm. And she read and she never realized what Halloween really meant, what they were serving, you know. And she go, wow, there's something. So she got the number in the back and she called and one of our young men from this school came and gave her Bible studies. And she, So how old is this young lady? Uh, she was probably 17 at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, just young, uh, you know, just no spiritual background in her life at all. Just secular. Uh, yeah, just secular. And he, he says, you know, I'm running one of these programs this summer. Would you come and work for me? She says, yeah, I'd like to. She came. She so changed her life completely. Wait, wait, wait. So she gets this tract. She does Bible studies with one of your students, and then she's actually selling for one of your... She's back. Well, it's donations. We don't... Sure. Uh, we, yeah, sure. We do sure. donations. Yeah. And so, yeah, she came. She was so turned around in that program that she asked to be baptized that summer. Yeah, praise God. At the end of the summer, we had a baptism of four... Then she went to the college. She has now graduated from the college and is out doing Bible work. Praise God. And working every summer with students, uh-huh. et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have story after story. Like I was just at Souls West, and there are several students there that people just met on the street, mm-hmm. talked to them, gave them Bible studies, and now 
they're going to a Christian college. Yeah, praise God. And, of course, this becomes a generational thing. You know, I did literature evangelism yes. under you. Um, both of my sons now do literature evangelism because I did it. One of my sons worked for one of your programs, I think it was about four years ago, yeah. in uh, in Michigan. And you must be uh, – it must give you great pleasure to see, you know, the next generation coming through. Well, it, it gives me great pleasure to see you, Lyle. Oh, praise God. Because you have – it's obvious the difference from the young man I knew then till now. And to have you have a son, I guess your son's in Romania yes. running one of these programs. He Praise is. God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's my reward. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, Larry, do you have any idea of the number of uh, people in the community? So we talk about the impact that this has on the, on the lives of, of young people that have, uh, you know, they, they give their lives to God because, or they, and they deepen their experience with God by, you know, getting out there and, and serving God, but there's obviously, you know, the flip side of this is that they are sharing Jesus. You've shared this one story of this young lady who comes to Christ because somebody gives her a tract. Um, do you have any idea in the community how many people would have come to Christ as a result of the literature programs that well, you've been we, running since the we, mid-1980s? We, yeah, every, all I can give you is current figures because... See, when someone gets a book, you, you don't, you've just planted the seed. Mm. Someone else has to water it, then somebody else reaps it. So we're always hearing about that. Well, I, I became interested in this, but the gospel and God because of this book I had. You know, I just, I stopped at one door. Lady didn't want anything. It was with one of the students and, and then we went to that Steps to Christ book that I mm-hmm. talked about. Mm-hmm. And she goes, Oh, that's my son, my f- husband's favorite book. Well, who was a doctor? They bought three more. So when you're constantly going through the neighborhoods of people, the more you visit that neighborhood, the more you do in business. Contact a number of people. We're baptizing, baptizing right now, uh, due to summer programs, anywhere from 100 to 300 people. Now that's in America, mm-hmm. which is not a, is a, not a third world country. It's, no, it's that's not. Yeah, than, it's a. It's a. Believe me, I've knocked doors in America. I've knocked doors in Australia, and America is tough. You I, know what? You know what makes America so tough is everybody's like, "Yeah, I got my own religion. I don't need anything." Yeah, I, I, yeah I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't need anything. I'm fine. Yep. That's a one thing. We, I, I'm yep. fine. I don't need anything. Yep. But they do. People say that Australia is a secular society. I tell you right now, I'd rather knock doors here than there, and I get twice the response rate here than what I get in the United States. Well, let me give you an example. Uh, the other day, as a, a student, we knocked on the door, no one answered, and knocked again, no one answered, knocked again. Finally, someone came to the door, and uh, said, "What do you want?" And they showed him the books, and you know, told him that you know. That this would help him to know God and to live a better life, etc. And the guy says, "You, you, you don't understand what just happened. I was in my room with a gun in my mouth, and I was saying, God, if you're there, do something to stop me.'" And you kept knocking. That's right, Larry. It's been just an incredible privilege to have you on the show today. Uh, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you, Lyle. Thank you for your work. Uh, Praise God. You're listening to Faith FM. We'll be back right after this break.
You're here with the Faith FM Breakfast team with Encounter with God as we move on with our morning show. And this morning we are studying, as we have been as part of the 20 Million Movement, uh, the subject of unity. Unity in the Bible and particularly unity in worship. And don't forget that every day you can join a movement of faith, a movement of 20 million other people right around the world who are all studying the same passage of the Bible. 
Bible at the same time. But while we're waiting for Mon, we're going to read some of the most sublime worship passages that you'll find anywhere in Scripture, and I'm super excited about these ones because over the last two weeks at Maitland Church, these are the passages that I have been preaching on, namely Revelation 4 and 5. So your homework for today, when you get home or when you uh, finish your work or finish your commute, whatever it might be, your homework for today is to read Revelation 4 and 5, two of the greatest um, worship passages that you'll find anywhere in Scripture. These, of course, these two passages... Uh, they form part of the introduction to a prophecy, and that prophecy is called the Prophecy of the Seven Seals, which traces the history of uh, of our world and of the church down through to the return of Christ. And, of course, this is the, the primary reason for the praise and worship that is taking place here is that it is the... Uh, um, it, it's about the redemption, first of all, that Jesus offers in the beginning of the prophecy. And then it's about the second coming of Jesus when he comes back in power and great glory. And so if we go to this prophecy in Revelation chapter 4, and I'm going to read it from my old KJV simply because I love the way it writes it. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and I heard a voice like a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up here. And I will show you things which must be hereafter. Immediately I was in the Spirit. Behold, a throne was set in heaven. One, came, Someone came and sat on the throne, and he that sat was to look, look at like a jasper and a sardine stone. There was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like an emerald. And round about the throne were 24 seats, and upon the 24 seats I saw 24 elders clothed in white clothing, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Here we are introduced to a passage in which... The throne room of God himself is seen. One of a number, a very small number of places in the Bible where uh, prophets were taken actually into the throne room of God and were able to observe what was taking place in the throne room of God. And here we see worship at its highest, worship at its fullest, worship at its most complete as uh, the heavenly inhabitants worship God face to face right there in his own throne room. Uh, Mon, why don't you keep, keep reading for us there in verse 5. Uh, your translation might be a little bit simpler than mine, but uh, Revelation 4 and verse 5, we're going to be uh, looking at some, some, in, some, some of the highlights as we go down through this. But let's just get a big picture of the grandeur and the awesomeness and the power of God. From the throne came flashes of lightning <clears throat> and rumble of thunder, and in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes front and back. Okay, so let's stop there for a moment. And this is one of the things that you're going to notice uh, whenever you are studying passages of the Bible that deal with heaven and God's throne room in particular, what you find is that the authors don't actually have the words in their language to be able to describe what they're seeing. Mm. It's a little bit like uh, if you were to take John or 
Ezekiel, because Ezekiel is another one of those prophets who has a vision of the throne room of God. And, you know, what John covers in three verses, Ezekiel covers in two chapters. So Ezekiel has a lot more detail. So Ezekiel 1 and 10, if you want to go and read that for homework as well, then uh, that will give you a an image there, a picture of, of, of God's throne room. But it's a, it's a little bit like, you know, imagine, Mon, if we were to take these two guys uh, from their day, launch them into the future, into our day. Yeah. Right? And so then we, so we give them a bit of a tour around for the day. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, we t- take them to work, take them to the, to the radio studio, explain what's happening here, show them all of our social medias, how that works. You know, um, maybe take them down to the airport, fly them up to the Gold Coast and back, you know, a quick short flight. Let them play with an iPhone. <laughs> Let them play with an iPhone for a while, drive them around, take them to the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, and then send them back to their day and tell them to write down everything that they saw. And to describe it to their fellow people. And it, do, mm-hmm. do they have the words in their language to no, describe what they saw? No. Even if they knew it was called an iPhone, how are they going to explain what an iPhone is to their yeah, fellow that, people? <laughs> that's right. They had these iPhones. They had a what? <laughs> <laughs> it would be quite hilarious to see, you know, what kind of what kind of words would a first century or a fifth century BC prophet use to describe an iPhone? Yeah, or to describe an aircraft, mm-hmm. or to describe social media. Yeah, you know, social media is like, it's almost just as much as a concept and a construct than it is. What words do they have that actually describe that? Mm-hmm. You know, they have gossip, but it goes through the air, and everybody sees it. <laughs> on a screen what's a screen <laughs> how do they see it well they see it on a piece of glass <laughs> yeah. they have glass yeah yeah they see it on a piece. how do you see gossip on a piece of glass you know it would just be I would just be impossible I would it? just love to hear them try and explain a motorbike it's like a horse but it, it's got wheels but it's only got two wheels but <laughs> And it doesn't need a horse. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You ride it, but um, <laughs> uh, it would be so much fun. I would love to have a time machine. Mm. Oh, for it sure. would just be the best thing mm-hmm. ever. I think that's why time machine movies are so popular. Oh yeah, yeah. Because people are always like, you know, this is what I would do, kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Love to play themselves and they, in that, and, and they just generate so much imagination. Yeah, absolutely. You know, particularly if you go back in time and take a few cool things with you. Yeah, <laughs> go back in time, but I put iPhone in my pocket. Uh huh. Uh huh. And when I get there, I'll um, you know, I mean, you get a little bit of that experience. You know, I had a little bit of that experience when I was in uh, in the Solomon Islands, a very remote place, um, seven hours hike from the end of the four wheel drive track, and um, amongst villages who had, uh, we were the second time white people had ever been there. Oh, really? Wow. Um, Living totally traditional lives, and particularly the kids. You know, you pull your iPhone out and start taking photos and then show them their own photos. It was, you know, whenever I wanted to do an evening meeting, Mm -hmm. because they had no concept of time. We couldn't say, look, hey, rock up at six o'clock. You know, that didn't work like that. So whenever I wanted to do an evening meeting, I'd uh, sit down with my iPhone and start flicking through photos. And of course, instantly I'd be surrounded by kids. And so I'd start taking their photos and taking selfies with them. And, and they would just laugh their heads off. You know, they're seeing their faces on the screen. Uh-huh, uh-huh. All this. They thought it was the the most amazing thing. They just, <laughs> just, they were just, you know, their minds were melting. And of course, within no time, you'd have a great crowd of kids. And then, of course, the kids would bring the adults. And the adults were kind of shy. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd be sort of standing back, but really, really keen, like really, really wanting to look. But 
shy to actually engage. Mm-hmm. And then you call them around, start a meeting, start preaching the word of God. And, nice. And had a uh, a twelve volt uh, video projector <laughs> and a um, a bunch of uh, you know um, Christian documentaries, that kind of stuff on on a USB stick. Plug it into the projector, connect it up to a motorbike battery, and away you go. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Beyond series DVDs for the first time ever on a USB stick. <laughs> in the middle and of nowhere. And in the Solomons, in the middle of nowhere. That's awesome. <laughs> it does give you a, a bit of an insight into what it would be like, but you can understand the struggle. You know, we, we had a, uh, a 15-year-old girl that we, we – um, and, and a 10-year-old boy that we took out of there for medical attention who had um, who had never been out of the bush. Oh, really? They'd never seen a boat. They'd never seen a car. They'd never seen – they'd seen aeroplanes fly over. Mm-hmm. And they had seen a helicopter. A helicopter had been there once. Wow. Uh, but, you know, the, and we took them down to Honiara, you know, and just the, 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 the girl, she was like super quiet, but the little boy – he was so excited, you know, pull up pull up in Honiara be hot beside this massive container ship. You know? And uh it was he was eyes were just bogging out of his head. <laughs> you know, took him down to the airport the next day and this plane's taking off and you know, roaring down the runway. And uh yeah, just really really catching his attention in a very powerful way. Um that's a little bit of a challenge, isn't it? I can we don't know what the time is, it's something's about to click on, but um See, it's flashing red. It's flashing red. It's not flashing. There it goes. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. There we go. We're back again. Uh, this time we can see what's going on. That's always um, so much better. More yeah. comforting to know much how much time we have. Okay, so we're reading this. You know, John is seeing the throne room of heaven. He does not have the words to describe it. The Bible says, I has not seen, he has not heard. Neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for us. You know, so you have not even been able to imagine, just as John would not be able to imagine an iPhone, we cannot imagine what God has prepared for us. No, it's so exciting. It is super, super exciting. Okay, uh, a couple of key points here. Verse 5, the Bible says, Out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire before burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Whereabouts is the throne room when this takes place? Uh, Where do you find seven lamps of fire? In I don't know. It's called the menorah. The oh, oh, oh. Oh, I suppose. On earth it's called the menorah. Menorah, yeah. Yes. When you but say seven torches, you- I think of something like much bigger than a candle. Ah, uh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like pitchforks and torches. Because <laughs> oh, you've got the newer translation. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. The seven lamps. And, of course, you find that Jesus is standing in the seven lamps at the introduction to the seven churches. And here we find that same imagery once again. And, of course, the lampstand was a symbol of the Holy Spirit and the seven different aspects of the Holy Spirit. And the primary aspect of the Holy Spirit being divinity. And so you've got one lampstand lamp with seven different lamps. Um, and you find those seven different aspects of the Holy Spirit in Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2. Uh, so that's, if you want to write it down, it is, is Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 2, where you will find uh, those seven different aspects and, of course, the divinity of the Holy Spirit being the primary aspect of the Holy Spirit, symbolized by the lampstands. Okay, so whereabouts is the throne room? Uh, in front of the throne, was it? It's in, it's in behind the shining sea of glass. 
No, it's on the sea of glass. It's up, oh, it says in front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's very All close right. by. Yeah, yeah. Either okay. on or next to or in or... You're right. Yeah. It could be on the shore. Mm-hmm. wonder what a sea of glass is. You know, we didn't yeah. even know what that is. It's yeah. like, maybe, maybe it's a massive screen. Maybe... Yeah. Maybe this is how the judgment takes place. This is all under your feet. Yeah, sea of glass. That's a, that would be an old-timey way to describe a screen. Yeah, that's true. Who knows? Oh. I think our screens um, are probably, God would be like, yeah, whatever. You're crazy. That's so primitive. <laughs> <laughs> a screen. As if we would use a screen. Uh, anyway. Um, okay, yeah, but, 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 but. Mm. Where do you find the seven-branch candlestick? Uh, let me have a look. The seven in front of the throne. It's what they're in front of the throne. It's in front of the Everything's throne. Everything's in front of the throne. Apparently, everything's in, okay. So the seven branch. If the seven branch candlestick is in front of the throne, mm-hmm. on earth, where do you find the seven branch candlestick? In the sanctuary. And whereabouts in the sanctuary? Next to the. Oh, hang on. Altar of incense. Yeah, I'm and going through little of, images in my mind. As yeah. a, path, a little pathfinder brain's kicking into gear here. I'm placing all the little bits and pieces around the room. <laughs> okay, so next to the altar of incense and beside the table of showbread, right? That's right. Yeah, I knew, I knew it was next to the bread. Mm-hmm. And so you have a courtyard, mm-hmm. you have a holy place, and you have a most holy place. Mm-hmm. Where is the seven branch candlestick? It's in the holy place. It's in the holy place. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. So what we find here is that um, the throne has just been placed in the holy place. Ooh. And that's significant because it gives us a time period. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, of course, is when Jesus has just ascended into heaven and his ministry in the sanctuary is about to begin. Because the, the Bible talks about his, his multiple ministries in various sections of the Yeah, yeah, yeah sanctuary. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this gives you a time frame. And that's always important. So here the throne, the throne of God, we find, has just been placed in the holy place where intercession takes place uh, on our behalf. Of course, uh, course that intercession takes place in the most holy place as well. But anyway, this is the, so here's the, here's the, here's the picture that we are getting. AD 31, Jesus has died, been buried, he's resurrected, and now he's ascended to heaven. Mm -hmm. Throne is set in the holy place. Somebody comes and sits on the throne. That's the Father. You've got 24 elders surrounding. You've got these four living creatures. And Jesus is about to arrive. Oh, I wish we, had, well, we, wish we had a week that we could spend on this chapter. <laughs> okay, so then the Bible goes on in verse 7 and 8 and describes the four living creatures. Remarkable description. Uh, the first was like a lion, the second like a calf, the third had the face like a man, the third was like a flying eagle, and they had six wings, and they're full of eyes, and they don't rest night and day, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Why don't you read for us verse 9 and 10? Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say... Okay, let's stop there before we hear what they say. Notice what is happening. This is a worship scene, isn't it? Absolutely. This is this is total worship taking place in mm-hmm. heaven. This is adoration. The Father is sitting on the throne. Mm-hmm. The 24 elders, the four living creatures, they're just worshipping, worshipping and praising uh, the Father for who he is and what God has done. 
Let me read verse 11. This is what they actually say. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things, and for your pleasure they are and were created. Okay, so that's really, really uh, fascinating right there. Notice what the Bible says. Uh, you're worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you have created all things. For what reason? Uh, they exist because you created what you please, like for, for his pleasure. For his pleasure. Yeah, 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 yeah. How do you get pleasure from a person? Oh, from having communication with them and spending time with them and contact Absolutely. with them and a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Which really speaks um, volumes about the character. Can of you God. get a pleasure from a person just by looking at them? No. Yeah, there's one or two people yeah. that look nice, but I yeah. think there's about eight people in the world that uh, fall into that category. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And you only that only works. That only actually, um, you know, there's about and and by saying that, I'm there's about eight people in the world that are uh, in the category of uh, supermodels. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you can get pleasure from anyone on this earth, regardless of whether they're a supermodel or not, by having a relationship with them. That's right. It doesn't matter whether they are the most attractive person or the least attractive person. And the simple reality is that if you were friends with a supermodel, if you knew a supermodel and you had the opportunity to be friends with that supermodel and all you ever did was look at them. be a very boring relationship. Really creepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that too. Okay, so if God had created us just to be looked at, that would be very creepy and very off-putting and very, very boring. You would get bored of it, I'm thinking, after about 10 minutes. Oh, absolutely. I'd, I'd be after the second like, minute. Yeah, that's a, mm-hmm. that's a really beautiful person right there. But, you know. I can't interact with them. Yeah, yeah, it'd be very dull. Yeah. This, this verse really I mean, we smashes have, we have the concept certain of celebrities like. Uh, um, Here we go, Lyle trying to give a celebrity name. <laughs> Chris, what's his name? Hemsworth. Yeah, I knew you would. I knew you'd know that name. You know, <laughs> where um, you know, you look at the guy and, and he's an attractive guy, right? Yeah. 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 You don't think so? I prefer Chris Pratt, but okay. yeah, go on. Chris Pratt. Okay, we're at Chris Pratt. We'll use Chris Pratt as an example then. Uh-huh. And you think he's an attractive guy. He's like, yeah, he's a nice guy to look at. Mm-hmm. But um, would you be satisfied if uh, you know he was your next door neighbor and all you ever did was just look? No. 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 You get b- no. bored with that in 10 minutes. Oh, for sure, for so sure. Let's go knock on this guy's door and, and get to find out what kind of a person actually is Bake him some cookies. <laughs> Making some, uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. <coughs> anyway. But this, but this Bible verse does actually He's into smash, healthy food too as well. Yeah, it does smash the concept of, of God being an arbitrary God who's just interested in... He's a bit of a greenie like you. I think you're getting your Chris's mixed up. Oh, I? Okay. Yeah. All right. But yeah, he... I probably do. <laughs> But, you know, these, people have this concept of God who's not interested in our lives and who just wants to, you know, burn us in hell forever. Like, it's such a... I mean, these verses like this, of which there are so many, just completely makes that null and void. Absolutely. Yeah. That he created us for his pleasure. It had nothing to do with, you know, he doesn't want anything to do with it. He's not an absentee God. He's not an absentee father. He wants to be involved with us. Most definitely. And the whole purpose of our creation was so that we could be his friend forever. For eternity. Mm, absolutely. The whole reason that he died for us. You know, we have, Christians have this Christian, he's, he's saying like, Jesus died for our salvation, which a lot of people out there in non-Christian land are like, what does that even mean? We don't get that. Uh, but Jesus died for your friendship.
chapter 5, verse 1. The lamb opens the scroll. Then I saw a oh, scroll. You're not supposed to read the heading. It gives it away. Sorry. Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and of the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. Okay. So here he has a book. What's significant about the book? Two things. Give me two things that are significant about it. Okay. It was writing on the inside and on the outside. Right. And it was sealed up with seven seals. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, the seals, what you find is that they are... Okay, so you've got to think of a book mm-hmm. in the terms of a first century book. Yep. doesn't have pages. It's one long piece of paper that's rolled up. Rolled up, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, therefore, you only ever write on one side of it. That's right, yeah. But he's got one that's written on both sides. It's a double-sided book. So, what's the significance of that? Ah. You think that not be- only that, not only that, but it's rolled up with mm-hmm. seven seals. And that's what you're a lot find, of seals. What you're going to find is, as you crack each seal, you can unroll a portion. Then you crack a next seal, and you unroll another portion. Oh, so they're not like all in a line. They're not all in a line. Okay. You break and, them and we're talking about wax seals, not like seals. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Wax yeah. seals. Yeah, yeah, good. Just want to clarify that. <laughs> um, or, um, yeah, yeah, we use all kinds of different... You know, it's like putting a sticker over it these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, okay, yeah. All right, so that's the kind of book that we're dealing with. It's a double-sided book. Mm-hmm. Okay, keep reading. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. Okay. That's where I'm going to stop you. Done. (laughs) (laughs) What was his response to not being able to read the book? He starts crying. This book is in the right hand of God. Wow. It obviously contains... The words of God. Mm-hmm. And he is that keen to read that book. Well, maybe he's like spotted some of the right on the outside. He can like sort of see it and he's like, oh, I want to read the rest of that. Oh, mm-hmm. maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. It's like been tantalized. All right, maybe. But he also, okay, so, but the thing, the, the, the big point here is, is the word of God. Yeah. Have you ever approached the word of God like that? So desperate to find out what it says. That if you can't, you would weep. That's very profound. There are many people throughout history who have. Absolutely. And who have sacrificed their life Mm. just to get their hands on a copy of the Word of God. And I think people in Australia don't really understand that because we live in a country where we're still allowed to read our Bibles. But in countries where it's forbidden, you would be weeping for the Bible. Yeah, we had somebody here in the studio recently that had uh, a handwritten Bible. Really? Yeah. Wow. I've helped write several handwritten Bibles, but I've never like seen one. Okay, but completion. this was handwritten out of necessity. Oh wow, wow! Yes, mm-hmm. the only way they were ever going to get a copy of the Bible, and they just yeah, you know, they had uh, you know your standard um, school book with yep, writing yep. pages in it, textbook, and yep. they had a, had a pile of those, mm-hmm. and they just written out the whole Bible because the only wow. way they could get a copy of it. Wow! Yeah, just mind-bogglingly amazing. A country that will remain unnamed. Okay. Bring fear out from that, but go on. (laughs) Yes. A country where there is persecution, where people do lose their lives for being Christians. And they would definitely be weeping for Bibles, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) And this is where John's at. 
Okay, so he really, really wants to find out what's inside this book. Okay, so there's some clues to this book. Let me share with you a, uh, a clue very quickly that is worth consideration. It is a double-sided book. And in the first century in ancient Israel, there were double-sided documents. But they weren't your standard storybook. Your standard storybook was never written down as a double-sided book. But there were double-sided documents, and these were legal documents. All right, so what we've got here is legal language that is Ooh, being brought okay. in. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So there's legal language being introduced right here. And what happens in a legal situation is that, you know, uh, you've got a great example, uh, I think it's in Jeremiah 32, uh, where Jeremiah buys some land, and you've got the whole story of how that transaction, that legal transaction takes place. And you write up the contract, and then you sign it. Um, in ancient Israel, guess where they would sign a legal document? At the bottom of the scroll? Nope. At the top of the scroll? Nope. On the seal? Nope. In they blood? They would sign it on the back. Oh, on the back. Okay, okay and it's a really good, it's a really smart move because you think about it. Mm-hmm. Sign it at the bottom, someone can cut the bottom off with a razor blade and re-sign it. That's true. Sign it at the top, they can do the same thing. Yep. Sign it at the back, what are you going to do? Destroy the whole document if you do that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You've got to, uh, and, and of course, it'll be signed by the people who are involved and the witnesses and so forth. And so what here we have is some legal documents. <coughs> we need to find out. And by the way, <coughs> these ones are signed in blood. He will take you by the hand, lead you to that promised land. Can't you hear the blessed Savior calling you? When you strayed from the fold and there's trouble in your soul, can't you hear the blessed Savior calling you? When your soul is lost in sin and you're at your journey's end, can't you hear the blessed Savior calling you? Calling you.
Show bits you may have missed. Yes, yeah, sorry about that. Why, why did we? Why did we miss the? Because Christmas? I was in the kitchen and didn't realize we were back on air. I just totally blanked. I was there, like just chopping up my breakfast mango, and then started strolling back towards the studio. And then I see Lyle speaking in the on air sign. I'm like, what? <laughs> I have a job. <laughs> I work. And I run in the studio, and the producer's like, "You've missed two minutes." I was just off with the mango fairies. I'm so sorry. Uh, this is why I love doing radio with you, Mom. <laughs> it's so entertaining. I, uh, <laughs> sorry about that, guys. What um, would I do? What will I do if I get a if I ever get a co-host that he's um, not a, mo- a monron? A moron? <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be so boring. Then, like. The question of the day with Lyle and Mon. We need to get on with our uh, question of question the day. Question of the day, Lyle. What is the most accurate version of the Bible? Ooh. Mm. The King James Version. Prove it, because we've had a bit of discussion <laughs> on our socials. Well, we have too, yeah, haven't we? Yeah, on all okay, our so socials, basically, basically, it works like this. Um, this is going to vary from one language group to another, so we are assuming that this person is asking this question in relationship to the English language. Indeed, yes. Um, and the second thing is that there is no such thing as a perfect translation. You are a person who speaks two languages. Mm-hmm. You would know that a perfect translation is impossible. You can't just turn one word into another word. Correct. Because often you need to add in words or take out words to make a sentence structure that actually makes sense. And all translations have been done by human beings, uninspired human beings. And so you're never going to have a perfect translation. And I love my King James Version. It's my favorite ever. But I could show you some mistakes in it. Um, some translational mistakes like where it talks about sick handkerchiefs and so forth. But uh, we don't have to go there this morning. The point is, none of them are perfect. What you've got to aim for then is the best one. And so here at uh, Faith FM, we use two translations. We use the KJV and we use the NLT. Uh, The NLT is a more thought-for-thought translation. It's more like a devotional uh, kind of a Bible. It's uh, easy to read, easy to understand, but it doesn't, it's not always as clear theologically. And so when you want a Bible for studying theological truth, for discovering truth, for doing an in-depth Bible study, you need a translation that is a more word-for-word translation. And your KJV family of Bibles uh, aim to be a word-for-word translation rather than a thought-for-thought translation. With a thought-for-thought translation, you are relying on the thoughts of the translator, not the thoughts of the author. If it was the thoughts of the author, yeah, great, but it's not. It's the thoughts of the translator, and I don't trust that all the time. So a word-for-word translation gives me the opportunity for me with my Bible study between me and God and the Holy Spirit and a study of the Scriptures to be able to find out the thoughts of the author not the thoughts of the translator. And so that's where you need to head for deep Bible study. Um, Now, along with that, of course, you need to consider what the Bible is... There are some excellent translations out there of very poor manuscripts and vice versa, some excellent translations of some very good manuscripts. The argument there basically is majority versus oldest. So you've got the majority manuscripts where you've got 98% of all manuscripts read the same, they look like this... 
and then you've got some older manuscripts that read a bit differently. Uh, they make up about two percent of the ancient manuscripts that are in uh, that, that are available. Some argue that the older ones are more accurate. Some argue that the majority is more accurate. Personally, I take the argument, and we can probably have this in depth argument in depth uh, some other time when we've got more time, or jump on our social media and comment. I take the view that the majority manuscript is much better to go with than the older one, particularly when you look at the pedigree of the older ones and where they originated from. It raises some very large question marks over um, how, yeah, the, the, the motives behind the people who actually made those manuscripts. So those are some of the different arguments and the different discussions that are out there. The most important thing, of course, is that you read the Bible. I came to Jesus through reading the NIV, which is now one of my least favorite translations. Uh, but the most important thing is to actually get a Bible and read it, and you will find Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much. If you have a question, give us a call here. 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. What kind of man would wash men's feet, get pushed around and turn the other cheek? I want to be more like Him Every day In every way So little time He took for Himself He was more concerned For everybody else I want to be more like Him As tears of pain fell from his eyes, he prayed for those who had him crucified. I want to be more like him. Welcome back, everybody. You listen to Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. And as we come to the end of this best ofs show, uh, Lawson, are we here or are we not here? I don't know where we are. You, yeah. This is, this is not uncommon for you, Lawson. I'm just, I'm just so distressed. I'm just freaking out. Because <laughs> our show is just in limbo. Is like, in limbo. Okay, so we're in limbo. What is going on? And so we need 
your help. Okay, we do indeed. Uh, so here's the scoop. Uh, the breakfast show is going to the new governing board where it's going to be discussed on the 29th of October and with a new chairman, new board. Um, who knows what will happen? But what we would like you to do is, hey, give us your support. Uh, shoot us a message. What are those numbers there again, Lawson? 1-800-324-843 if you want to call us and tell us how much you love us. And 0491-064-669 if you want to text us and tell us how much you love us. Or you could just uh, call in and text how much you just, just love Lawson. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind. That would make me feel better. Poor all the... Poor all the <laughs> you're feeling a bit bad here today, Lawson. Put a bit down. Yeah. Need help. Uh, we love you guys. We enjoy our time with you every morning. And may your time here on Faith FM be blessed as you go throughout the day. And don't forget, whatever happens after the 29th, there is going to be awesome breakfast programming, mm. whatever it is. So stay tuned to Positively Different Radio in the morning, Faith FM. Let not your heart be troubled, ye believe in God. Let not your heart be troubled, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, if I go and prepare a place for you. you